everyone! Welcome to an exciting episode of ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who was a mere toddler in 1985 and really never emotionally matured from that point. I give you the Brent. Hey, how's it going, man? Not too I, I, I'll accept that. You, I couldn't believe you just took it. You're like, yeah, you're right. That's no, I, I am, I am a uh, <laughs> very childish adult. I That's accept that. I still have. I mean, I, I fulfill my responsibilities, but I am a kid at heart. Plus the temper tantrums. It's all. Oh yeah. You're very, I can't believe we're just cool with that. You're just gonna take it. I'm stunned by that. Hey, well, good. I, I, I'm okay with who I am. I'm glad to see that the truth has seeped in. So, if you joined us last week, we spun the wheel, and we made the deal. And this week, Brent, and I know you're excited about this one, we'll be doing games from a different bygone era, 1985, Brent, as we jumped on games released for the NES in 1985. Now, that was the U.S. release. That was the U.S. release of the NES, the very first launch release. So effectively, these are launch styles. And I believe that the NES was actually launched towards the end of 85 as well. So this is this was yes. a short launch window, wasn't it? Uh, October. It was the end of October was when it was released. Yeah. Of 85. Now, do you recall when we at the Dowdy household got an NES? Like It was my birthday. It would have been November 12th. Uh, not in 85, though. So I believe it was 87. Yeah, and you got one of the packs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I don't remember the name of that. It wasn't Rob. It was the sports pack, I think was what it was called. No, it was the, it was the power, power pad power pack. Power pad pack. That, that, that goofy peripheral. We've talked about that in the past. So, we thought we would discuss, uh, just the, uh, some of the stuff that, that got released uh, when the NES debuted here in the States. Now, one needs to consider the NES had had a, I think it was a three-year or two or three-year jump in Japan. And so they'd had plenty of time to cultivate a large amount of titles to bring over and launch in the States. So you're talking uh, uh, quite a few titles launched this. I'd say more than almost any machine at launch time. They had all kinds of titles ready to go. And, and it's interesting to look these over because... You got to think if you're the Japanese and you're you're bringing this to the states, it's a big jump. This is when Nintendo could have you know succeeded or failed at this point, and these are the games they chose to bring to ensure their success. Brent, uh, it's <laughs> it, that would be nerve wracking to hinge basically your entire future on the game selection for this console. Well, here's the thing with with uh, the NES release in the states. They actually did something very brilliant. Rob, everyone says, oh, Rob was this failure. Uh, Rob the Robot, worst peripheral ever. No, he did exactly what he was supposed to, and that was drum up interest in this release here in the States. Uh, was he a good peripheral? No, I, he was a gimmick. But he was a good gimmick that did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I had to, I had to agree with most of what you said there. I mean, he wasn't a good peripheral, but I remember he was interesting. And when you saw the, like, I remember they used to have the Nintendo in these glass cases, and it would come, it would show you all the stuff you got, and there'd be Rob sitting there, and you're like, what in God's name is that thing doing? It was, it was intriguing. It's like, wow, yes. I've never seen that, uh, that sort of thing with a console. So, 
just for a few minutes, but let's look over some of the what we've got here uh, that got released that year. We'll just kind of buzz through these. And I just wanted to get your ideas on them. So, right out of the gate, you've got some base or you've got some sports titles. I think they realized pretty early on that sports were going to be a key element to working here in the states. You've got ten yard fight and baseball. You've also got hunting with duck hunt. Uh, you've got golf. You know, so you've got right there, you've got a bunch of different sports titles. Do you think sports titles really were pivotal in this thing? I mean, I don't I don't know if any of those are considered, like, great titles. You know what I mean? Um, no. I don't think that... Because the, when I think who had the best sports titles for consoles of that era, I always think of uh, the Genesis. You also, had, you, know, the, you also had soccer and tennis. Well, the Genesis wasn't around in 85, is my point. I, I understand, but I don't... When I, I don't consider Ness a, a huge player in the sports arena. Um, in fact, I can't even... Outside of golf, which I guess golf was pretty influential, yeah. um, I don't... Me, personally, none of those meant anything except for golf. Golf, I think, was a pretty good game. But I will say, uh, baseball wasn't bad. You've got to consider, we were coming off uh, real sports baseball on the... Uh, on the uh, Atari, for example. And if you compare that to this NES uh, baseball, and same thing with football, these are far superior titles to those. You know, they so are. You've got to consider what, you're, what you had to work with uh, when, you, when you came out with these. Now, something else that's uh, interesting here is you've got some kind of oddball titles. Uh, and, like, for example, and I'm, and I'm assuming you've played a lot of these. And, like, for example, you played this game Clue Clue Land. I'd heard of that yes. game, but I've never played it. A good one? Was that what a good one? It's not for me. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's, it falls into one of those sort of puzzly start deals. Yeah. Um, gosh, it has been so long since I've played it. Uh, I think that among the launch release titles, it was not the weakest. Right. I think we're going to talk about the weakest today. Oh, my. Uh, but... It was it was down. It was one of the the lower selling, lower cared about releases. We mentioned Rob the Robot. I believe he had two releases, and I think that maybe been everything he ever got. Uh, when, I thought he had three. Did he have three? I know right out of the gate they have they had Gyromite, which I know that's one of his. And I believe that is that the one where you're you're stacking stuff. Uh, uh, which basically that's all Rob did. It is stack stack like rings or something like that. Yeah, he. I mean, basically, he was a modified controller. Yeah, and he would pick up his little pieces and stack them um, on different piles of four piles. That would basically press a button. It would be him pressing A or pressing B. And you were right. Uh, there are only two officially released games. Yes, the other one uh, was stack up. And, stack yeah. up. and also that was also a a, a, a launch uh, title. Now. You get to the area here where you've got some sort of semi-famous games. I mean, I don't think I'd put these at the top shelf, but they were they were amongst the games that were more popular. Uh, you've got you've got Excite Bike, which was a, I have to say that's a that's a tremendous top, game. Top tier. Now was that did that come from the arcade? I can't remember. If that, I know it was in the arcade, but I, was there an arcade version of that? Not that wasn't in the cabinet, the, the NES cabinet. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, no, it was I mean, it was a versus game. Yeah, that's that yeah, that's what that's the one I knew that, but I couldn't remember if it was based on anything. You also had a couple gun games. One we're going to talk about later. The other one was Hogan's Alley, 
which I, I yes. thought Hogan's Alley was real simple game, but it, it's it's you know eh, it's okay. You know, it's not. You also have Duck Hunt. You go, well, uh, yeah, I mentioned Duck Hunt. You had Duck Hunt as well. I'd say of the two, I think Duck Hunt. Well, Duck Hunt was super simple too, to be completely completely honest with you. But it was it was still it's a lot of fun. Uh, you had a couple, uh, you had a couple like karate martial arts style games in. Uh, uh, you had uh, Yar Kung Fu, right, which is a great. Then you had the uh, just Kung Fu, the uh, the uh, uh, run around the arcade classic, Come Home. Uh, did you? What were your thoughts? I, you know, I've I almost picked Yar Kung Fu for the show here. It is such a, it's a very radical departure from the arcade. Uh, I was surprised you played Yar Kung Fu for this. I thought that was an odd launch title. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have less to comment about that than I do about Kung Fu. Yeah, the, the arcade yeah. game. Uh, I hate that game. Mm. I absolutely hate that game. I don't know why. I, I still play it and I still enjoy it sometimes. But, like, when I sit down to play it, I get... I don't know if it's, like, I get nervous. Yeah. Because it's all, there's pressure all the time. There's no time to relax. Even if you just want to, you know, stand there for a second, there's still going to be enemies coming from both sides. I, I don't know. I've always felt pressured with that game. I, I'm going to assume I had a bad childhood experience with it. Yeah, I like the music. <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually... It's so upbeat. It's driving. It's even kind of driving. Yeah. Now you had an educational title here. Uh, I, again, looking these over, it just kind of struck me as odd that this is one of the ones that was uh, in, released in '85. Uh, Donkey Kong Junior Math. Kind of a. <laughs> have you ever played that? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I. If I have, I don't recall it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew about those educational titles, but I've not played them. Another sort of semi-classic that was released was Ice Climber. I know the guys from that have been used in the Smash Brothers games, so that's about the only place I know from there. Yeah. I don't think I've ever played Ice Climber. Uh, I don't like Ice Climber. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Why is that, Brent? Uh, it, it's a very slow platformer. Yeah. Um, you you basically you jump, you're you're climbing upwards. Yeah. Uh, and you have to bust through ice, and there are enemies that will occasionally uh come and and, and try to kill you. Of course. Yeah. It just it's very slow paced. It's very methodical. Yeah. Um. Not my not my cup of tea. What about what? It's a, funny from the from the launch lineup. You you would think that I hate the nest, but that's I was going to say you're killing these. What about uh, Mock Rider? Is that one you've had a cup of coffee with? That the dry. That's the driving game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's okay. Uh huh. And what about? It's, it's no rad racer. What about pinball? <laughs> I've played pinball. pinball. It's surprisingly well, it's not. Good. It's not. It's not garbage. Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually it's pretty not, good. It's not too bad. Uh, we we would be remiss if we didn't mention probably the, the the killer app for the NES when it got released in the states, which is Super Mario Brothers. Absolutely. That, obviously the system launcher. Yeah, that's your uh, big dog there. And I remember seeing that one uh, in the arcade and or in the uh, store when this thing came out, and I thought to myself, "Holy smokes, that." That, in fact, that's the only game I saw for the NES for the longest time, uh, because it was it, I, it was just so uh, different than what you're used to. Most of these games aren't that different than what you would expect, in my opinion. But this one, that was one that I, that I don't think a game like that had ever been released uh, in in the for any console. You know? Yeah, it, it really issued in what a platformer was. Yeah, and uh, obviously sold millions upon millions of copies 
it is a classic today. Still very uh, played in the retro community for speed runs. It's definitely one of the most sought after speed runs. Oh yeah. Even though they've come close to to absolute perfection of the game, uh, the the people in that community still challenge for. I mean, hundreds of a second frames at this point. Yeah. To to be, to become number one. You know, there's. There's a game, and this was a Japanese release, so I and I wanted to play this, but you vetoed me, and, and understandably so. And it, but it was a game that looked very, pretty interesting, and I don't think it ever got a release in the U.S. It was called Challenger. I don't know if you ever played this game. Uh, it was a it was a game developed published and uh, developed by Hudson Soft and published by Hudson Soft. If you look over these titles, by the way, the majority of these were done by Nintendo. There are there are a few yes. outliers. Uh, like Yar Kung Fu and uh, um, a few other ones that are that weren't done by Nintendo, but this is one that Hudson Soft did, and it's an interesting game. And it's it, well, what makes it interesting is it's based on like it's a it's basically based on a level on a it basically it's a level of it's based on a game from the ZX Spectrum, which that's why I was like holy smokes. And I played it, uh. and, the, and the opening level has your guy trying to get on this train. It's really a, 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 a unique title. Uh, I'd kind of like to have seen that get a release over here. I don't know if it ever did. Maybe someone can tell us. But it, uh, I'm not familiar. It with wasn't it. released here, uh, but it did. It did come out in '85. It looked like a pretty interesting title. Now we've skipped a couple titles there since we're going to talk about them. That's pretty much in a nutshell. I think that we covered pretty much everything that got released as a launch, as a launch grouping of launch titles. And I talked to Boat about this. And I want to get your opinion. Uh, as a launch title group, what did you think of this as we went over? I mean, how do, you were bad-mouthing a lot of these games, but, I mean, you're talking... I think there was 18 games that came out. That's a large group of games. You had five or six sports games out of that bunch, too. Uh, and they were, and none of the sports games are what I would call garbage, you know. They're, I mean, they're not, by today's standards, they may not be that great, but they were pretty interesting-looking games. How do you, how do you uh, rate this launch grouping? One of the best of all time. Despite your hatred and, of most of them, <laughs> and it, it has nothing to do with that. It had it caters to so many different group of gamers. All right, that, example. Give us what. What do you mean by that? Well, you've got you've got your platformers and your Mario. You've got your sports titles, yeah. uh, as we've covered. You've got driving games. You've got arcade classics uh, in like Kung Fu and Ten Yard Fight. Uh, literally anyone could say look at these 18 games that were released and said, okay, that looks interesting to me. And, w and when it comes to launch titles, in my opinion, that's the most important thing. You, Of course, you have to have your killer app, the one that really shows off your system. But to have variety that, that makes everyone stop and say, you know what, that looks interesting to me, that's majorly important. I, 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 think, I, I think you got it. I think... I agree with you, by the way. And Boat, Boat mentioned, because I also was sort of like, I look at these titles, I'm like, eh, none of this stuff really stands out except for a couple. And then Boat brought up the fact, like, look, you've got 18 launch titles here. How many systems even came close to that? Well, the answer, none. I can't think yeah. of a single one that had anywhere near that many titles out of the gate. Uh, so, you know, that that's a winner. Even if you've got 18 mediocre titles, as long as you, I mean, or if you have 16 mediocre titles and a couple super titles in there, you're you're still well ahead of most, and uh, you had some good stuff in there. And like I said, I, I think these tiles actually I think we they're not served well. I think there's a lot of good stuff. I think the sports tiles in there were mostly pretty fine, you know. So there you go. Yeah, I agree. So 
we were tasked with looking through these lists and trying to determine a couple of these things to pick. I think we picked some interesting games this week, and I will say, uh, I, I, I uh, <clears throat> personally, I, I flexed back and forth with a couple of different games before I finally settled on one. I think you knew right away, didn't you, Brent, what you were going to pick, didn't you? Absolutely not. Oh, really? You had to, It took you a while? Well, let's get yep. into yours, Brent. We'll let you lead the dance this week. What did you pick for your game this week? I decided on a controversial choice because of how it is emulated, Wild Gunman. Wild Gunman, okay. I, I yes. had not played this game before this week, I will say. Really? No. Okay. <clears throat> so, let's... Before we dive into what Wild Gunman is, let's talk about how we got to Wild Gunman. Because this was actually a, a game released in the arcades. Almost nobody knows that I was not even aware of this. I didn't know that either. Uh, before I started doing research on this. No kidding. So let's go back a little before the arcade release. And this, we're talking about 1970, 1973, that era. Uh, Nintendo was just starting to make toys at this point. And Gunpei Yokoi uh, was really starting to push and become a big figure into Nintendo's life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in this time, bowling had become a huge boon in Japan. And, unfortunately, as with all cultures, but especially with Japan, when something falls out of favor, it just falls off a cliff. So you had all of these bowling alleys uh, that were just going under. They had no no business anymore. And people were scrambling, what are we going to do to fill these bowling alleys? Because, you know, for people not familiar with bowling alleys, it's a very large, flat, open area, but it's split up where it has lanes, and you have divots where the ball can go, gutter balls, per lane on both sides. So it's not something that can't be repurposed into another uh, store, but it would actually take a little bit of work. So Nintendo said, you know what, we can do something about this. And they decided to make these huge uh, projection clay shooting uh, games. And it, they would install in bowling alleys at the end of the lanes, and you would go... Uh, stand not quite the full lane length but back quite a bit and you'd have a rifle with a light gun on it and you would shoot clay pigeons uh and play games like that and you'd basically rent out time and the the uh the the call for these were overwhelming uh, you know a lot of people placed orders nintendo was really pumped they thought they were going to make a lot of money off this deal and then the economy in japan fell off a cliff due to the uh, oil crisis when uh, they jacked up all the oil prices. So now Nintendo stuck with all these things and everyone's canceling orders and they are already in production, but you know, people can't afford them anymore. So Nintendo panics and they say, okay, we've got to, we've got to do something with all this technology we've got, uh, but no one's willing to house these huge things. So they shrunk them down to be about the equivalent of three arcade machines pushed together. And they tried to sell that as a package, as a clay pigeon package. And 
it still wasn't popular enough. They still weren't getting the orders. And then Gunpei came in and said, you know what? I'm going to make a shooting game out of this, and we're going to take live-action video of uh, Wild West spaghetti-type gang— not gangsters. Westerns. Outlaws. Oh, yeah. And we're going to put that onto a screen, and we're going to have people draw and shoot them. And he compressed the whole thing down to be just a little bit larger than a pinball machine. And it had four different scenarios— of four different gunmen you could try to draw against and shoot. And it, it would sold like hotcakes. It literally, this was just another instance where Gunpei saved Nintendo or saved them a ton of money because they were able, able to sell these things. It was also considered to be the first full motion video video game because this was back in 1974. And all it was was you would watch a video on a projection screen and when the gunman's eyes flashed, you drew and shot. And if you drew and shot fast enough, you would it would show a video where you kill the man and if you were too slow, he would shoot you. And there were, like I said, there were four people. So fast forward to the launch of the Famicom over in Japan. Uh, they had started making toys based on Wild Gunman. So you've got your arcade game in 1974, and now you've got these light gun games where you shoot little men, uh, and it's a little light gun, and the the little man will fall over. And those were wildly popular. So when when the Famicom came out, they actually packaged Wild Gunman as its... as a toy, in a... almost in like a toy box, but it played on the Famicom. And the gun that came with it uh, had a hammer and it looked like a revolver. Uh, it was all black. It was not like a zapper, like a North American zapper. It looked like a gun, uh, and it came with a holster and a belt, and you know this whole nine yards. That's and awesome. it was the Wild Gunman video game. So uh, when we got it over here, it was it was a bit of a. Japan Japan had been led up to accept Wild Gunman as a game. Uh, North America had not. So when it got over here, everyone was like, well, where's the rest of the game? Because there's only, you know, five people to shoot, and then there's a... Uh, you can do a game B where you try to quick draw on two different people, and there's, there's a game C where... You don't have to wait to draw. You just shoot them as they come up, and it's in like a little saloon setting. But North America hadn't been raised on Wild Gunman. So when it got to the States, it was just, it was a, I don't want to say it was a flop, but it did not sell like Nintendo expected them to. And that brings us to the game itself. Uh, In the arcade, and even with the home release, where you had a holster and you could actually holster the gun and pull it up, and fire, it was kind of fun because it was all about reaction time. Something else a lot of people don't know, you don't have to shoot the bad guy in Wild Gunman. All you have to do is shoot the screen. So when you draw, if you shoot up into the corner, as long as it sees the flash, because it's the whole screen that flashes on the draw games. And it was just a really lame game over here. Uh, 
Aaron, I know that you said that you didn't want to play this because of mouse simulation. Yeah. And a lot. It here's the thing that <clears throat> is true. They're emulating a Zapper game with a mouse sucks. I recommend if you want to play this, go back and play it on the Wii. Uh, they had a pretty good port of it. I wish I thought uh, of that, that before like, you mentioned it last night. I was like, that's a right. that's a great angle because the Wii does a good job with those gun games. Absolutely. But here's something to note. Um, if you're just playing this with the mouse, you're actually getting pretty close to what the game actually was because it boiled down to the core component. It is nothing more than a reaction game. And you wait until they say fire. And it has digitized voice, by the way, uh, which is huge, you know, for a game of this era. Uh, and you just click the button. That's literally all you were doing when you played this at home in North America, was you would hold the zapper at the screen, and when he said fire, you'd click the button. So of emulated zapper games, this is probably the closest that you feel like it's still you're playing the actual game. What did you think about it, Aaron? Um, it was. It reminded me of like a, a, a Mad Dog McCray and Hogan's Alley had a child. <laughs> Something like that. I, you know, these type of games. You know, first of all, you're right about. I've got a zapper, as you know, and I've I have some gun games, and I've got an, an NES cart with like a you know hundred games on it or whatever. But this is not one of them, unfortunately. So I didn't get to use my zapper on it, which sucks. The, the these gun games uh, and the Wii does a is, does a good job, but even that doesn't fully emulate those zappers because it's it, the Wii operates more of a, uh, a the Wii's more like a wireless uh, a wireless pointing device than it is a a zapper. Zappers don't work that way, you know. Uh, so, sure. So I so I I like having I love playing like Duck Hunt and even Hogan's Alley's okay. And this one looks like what I'd like to play on the zapper, but Without it, it just it, it, you lose a lot of it. But I mean, it's it's your typical. Uh, it wasn't. I didn't think it was any great shakes. To be completely honest with you, it's funny that backstory. I'd never heard any of that, uh, and and so that it's interesting. Uh, it's funny how Gunpace remembered for this one massive failure. But this is another time where he came in and and saved Bacon. I mean, literally saved yes. the company. I'd heard some of the tail end of that, uh, but it, uh, uh, he the man was a genius, a super genius. Yes, and uh, he—if it wasn't for him, there'd probably be no Nintendo. There probably wouldn't have been an NES. There probably wouldn't have been any of that stuff. I mean, he was the guy that saved their, saved them real big time. But in terms of the game, I mean, you know, it's a simple shooting game. Uh, I—it I, probably would have been more fun to actually shoot like the, a bowling alley version. Would have probably that sounds awesome. I just hearing about that, I like the idea that something that's as large as three arcade machines stacked together, they let you shoot into it. I think that sounds cool because they had shooting games. I don't know if you remember back in the old days of the arcade, the seventies, shooting games are sort of a big deal, you know. But they were all light gun games. They they were there really weren't any there weren't anything where you actually shot a projectile, for example. Well, yeah, and these were light gun games too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, the ones you're talking about, the, the bowling alley ones. Before that, that sounds like it'd be pretty fun. So yeah, but well, eh, you know, it, this is okay. Wait, did you did you like this thing a lot? No, no. Did you? Is this the one you think's the worst game that was released on the? Uh... Absolutely. Okay, so I was I was wondering since, which one you were talking about. Since Ninten since we didn't have the history with Wild Gunman that Japan had, yeah, uh, this was almost just a mini game. It was 
unfathomable to me that they sold this uh, on a cart, considering what it is. And I've heard some things where, oh, the sprites are so large, and that's why they couldn't put any more game onto the cart. And they had the digitized speech, and that took up a lot of room because the 1985 carts were smaller, and all that's true. Yeah. However, I think since this sold over in Japan... And it's sold because of the history behind it. Yeah. They thought this was going to come to North America. It was a Western. You know, Americans love Westerns. I thought they, I think they just thought they had done enough when in actuality they hadn't. The, One other tidbit yeah. about Wild Gunman, Aaron, before we move on. Uh, this was featured in Back to the Future 2. When uh, Marty first gets to the future. And he's sitting in the uh, cafe, the retro cafe, and the kids fix a game, uh, an arcade game, but they don't understand how to play it. And Marty walks up, and he's like, oh, Wild Gunman. Yeah, I love this game. And he, he shows the kids. He pulls the gun out and shoots all the guys. Of course, the, the game in uh, the movie has some of the same graphics, but it is not the same game at all. Uh, he shoots four people on the screen, uh, when in actuality you never shoot that many people at the same time in the actual game. And of course, it has one of the great lines uh, of all time, something it's really remembered for. It's like you have the kids, like you have to use your hand. That's like a baby's game. And Marty's all like, "Oh," uh, <laughs> but yeah. Fun fact: going from the Back to the Future two timeline. Uh, when Marty left to go to the future, Wild Gunman would have only been out a week. So either he is a an incredible Nintendo fan and bought it on launch day, uh, or he may maybe he imported the Famicom version. Man. It's hard to tell. That's, but, that's, yeah, that's it, the geekiest trivia I've ever heard, <laughs> Brent. Uh, did you get? Any, did this thing have any magazine reviews? You want to go over anything? Uh, no. You know what? I didn't even look up the price for this. Uh, let's take a real quick moment. While you're doing that, I'll, see... let's talk about the Discord reviews here. We got sure, we got go quite a it. few here this week. Uh, let's go with uh, first out of the gate was Frodo and L. Uh, Wild Gunman not review. Graphics look cute with some cute animations when you beat an opponent. Sound is okay, nothing special, but it works. I cannot do a real review though since I have not played this with a light gun. I understand what you're saying there. Uh, the boat chimes uh, in. Uh, Wild Gunman. This is a bright, colorful game with huge cartoon-style enemies. It is fun to see the cast of baddies and the shooting gallery option add some variation. One, uh, Not one you're going to put hours in, though. He rates this average. Average, he says. Um, Graham W. Vebke chimes in. Uh, I don't have the means to play this again now with the light gun as it's intended but based on a very foggy memory I didn't enjoy this game back in the day given we are now able to play more engaging gun titles like House of the Dead, Point Blank and my wife's favorite Vampire Night which I've never heard of that it would be fun it would be a fun game for a nostalgia visit but sadly not much more 6 out of 10 on that one so uh, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have the means to play light gun games anymore, or just don't have a CRT TV. I'm very fortunate that I've got both. It's funny that uh, I had to go through a couple light guns to find one that was real quality, 
But the uh, the NES Light Gun was a pretty good piece of kit. It worked it worked surprisingly well, and it's surprisingly accurate in a game like uh, Duck Hunt, which is one I play. Uh, that one I do have. I play that one quite a lot. And Hogan's Alley, which is pretty good. This game and Hogan, where were you? Do you like this? I'm guessing you, because I think you like Hogan's Alley, don't you, Brandon? Isn't that one that you? Hogan's Alley is is more of a game, although it's still just a shooting gallery game. It at least makes you hit your target. Uh, where in this game, only one of the game modes actually cares if you hit the target, <laughs> yeah. and the rest of it is all about reaction time. Um, and that why that's why for me. I wouldn't say don't go play this. I I wouldn't play this on the Nintendo. I wouldn't emulate this. And I wouldn't emulate it not because, oh, I don't want to lose the experience of not having the gun. Because that really doesn't matter in two modes of play. It's all about reaction time. There's just not enough game here. Great history. Awesome history. Uh, great story to go along with it. Uh, but the game itself is just not good enough. It's just not good enough. There There's go. not enough substance. Uh, eBay land, you can have this for as cheap as ten dollars, uh, all the way up to looks like about fifty dollars if you go for some of the crazy variants. Apparently, this was remade several times. Um, is that with was but, that was that loose? Those are all just loose. Yeah, cards, because yeah. I'm guessing that if if it's like everything else I've seen, if you want the box and the instructions, that's where you have to pay the big money. Well, even a sealed, graded wild gummin only sold for a hundred, uh, just over a hundred bucks, mm. which sounds like a lot. But you know, when you go through all that process of getting your game graded, we'll go over that another day. Yeah, uh, just getting a hundred bucks for it is pretty cheap. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, man. That was I had to say that was interesting. I, I wish I had such a cool backstory for the game I picked this week. So I struggled mightily, <laughs> uh, y'all, to pick what I mentioned. I, I wanted to pick. Uh, I almost picked Yar Kung Fu. I almost picked Kung Fu. Uh, there were several that I ch but uh, thought about, but I ended up picking one that I swear to you I'd never heard of this game. I didn't know it existed, and so I just thought I'd gamble on it. So the game I chose was Wrecking Crew. Uh, yes. <clears throat> Now, uh, this one developed by the Nintendo R&D, which most of these were, and uh, was released in Japan uh, in 85 and in North America. So there wasn't a whole lot of lead time on this one, Brent. There's just a few months. This came out in October uh, of 85 in North America. And it's funny, this is another one. In Europe, this didn't get released until 87. So there was a full two-year gap in releases. Now, I'm not sure exactly when the NES got released in Europe. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing it was like it was not an '85. Uh, no, <laughs> this uh, that started on the Famicom and actually uh, was one of the games that had a have Famicom disc system release uh, for, and there were reasons for that. Uh, the, and this got a, a more releases down the line. It got a virtual console release. Uh, there was a GBA version that also came out. So when I loaded this up. Uh, and I knew I, I, it looked like it had Mario in it. Mario's on the cover of the box. I'm like, what in God's name am I looking at here? And so, I, and, and, that's not Mario. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, it looks like Mario on the box, and, and it is Mario. It is Mario. You control Mario and Luigi in this, Brent, for real. So, uh, they just don't look. And also, they don't have any of the abilities they've ever had before. <laughs> so, this is one of those games where <laughs> Mario does his thing. So, the object of this game is to wreck stuff. This is like Wreck-It Ralph, basically. And you run around with a sledgehammer, 
and you're bashing stuff in. That's the game. Uh, you're avoiding bad guys, and you're trying to take down these various construction sites. Uh, you know, in terms of a backstory, I don't know. They added a backstory to the sequel to this, uh, and it that kind of blends in with the whole Mushroom Kingdom thing or whatever. But in this one, you just go through and, and you're and you're destroying stuff. It looks to me like he's wrecking servers. That's what. It, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's one or two player, and you control you control your guy. And you've got to around, and there are a hundred levels you've got to deal with. Now, what can your guy do? He can run. He can smash, and he can, and that's pretty much what he does. Yeah. And avoid. That's what you've got to do in this game. You're you're chased by these weird looking critters, <clears throat> and as you go through these levels, the levels are, it's a single screen game, but the screen scrolls so that so the screen can be taller than 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 your actual viewing area. So this it's a soft roll. It looks and the scrolling spot. I mean Nintendo, this was no problem for them. Uh, right. It's a sort of a. It's I would say it's sort of an abstract uh, background. I mean, it's just it's it's. There's not a whole lot of detail work. There's not a whole lot of graphic work. Uh, you just run through and you bash the stuff. Some stuff takes more uh, time to bash than other stuff. On the very first level of this game, I was real perplexed. I was the second level where I had bashed everything and I couldn't figure out why the game level wouldn't end. And it turns out the reason it wouldn't end is because you had to also bash the uh, ladder. That there's some ladders. Yes, the, yeah. the ladders with a white background. You have to you have to bash, and then they'll and and the whole ladder collapses. And if people are on the ladder, they collapse too. They fall all the way down. Um, the the enemies that chase you around this, they look like there's a couple different ones. They look like wrenches or 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 uh, uh, spanners or something uh, like pipe wrenches. They're like living pipe. I, so I don't. I, I don't want fever dream. This thing was British. I, I, occasionally, there are elements of the original Donkey Kong in this that, I mean, especially sound effect wise, and it, and some of it reminded me of Donkey Kong Three. The way your guy dies is when he gets hit. He does like a he does a, a triple Lindy right there. He spins around in place, and it sort of reminded me of of, of uh, uh, one of the Donkey Kongs. I think it might be Donkey Kong Three where he dies that way, where he spins around in place. There's also occasionally. Someone just whips a, a Donkey Kong-style fireball from off-screen. No, no, that is a Mario Brothers-style fireball. Oh, is that what that is? Well, oh, you're yes. right, you're right. Absolutely. It's a, uh, it is a fireball. It just whips in from the side, uh, and you have to avoid it. The usual stuff. You also have the ability to make your own levels in this. Uh, I didn't toy with this. However, uh, in Japan, uh, you can actually load and save your levels on the game. Uh, in America, you could not in, until you until the Wii released this, where they gave you the ability to do it. I can't imagine designing a level in this w strange game because it's just it's such a, a weird game. There, the sides of the levels are uh, sort of like Pac-Man tunnels. You could go in one, you go off the screen one way, and you come back on the other one. <clears throat> You're also going to occasionally come across bombs. You can hit these bombs. The bombs were I thought were erratic. You know, there may be a method of using them, but I, I never quite understood it because sometimes the bombs would blow up, like, uh, things around you that, like, were uh, you could damage. Sometimes it would just blow, knock you down on your butt at the bottom of the screen. Sometimes it would knock enemies down. So the, and I played the crap out of this game, and I had a real rough time. Of all the games I've played recently, this one, I had a hard time getting my brain wrapped around it uh, because it was just a, a goofy. There are a lot of puzzle elements to it, 
that are in terms of how you fall. Because one thing Mario can't do in this and Luigi is they can't jump at all. <laughs> and so and so what you basically can get yourself to a point where you're screwed. You yeah. know? The doors in this and maybe I was gonna I, I meant to ask you about this before the show because that the, there are doors in this that you can whack. Okay, they can and you and when you whack them they open. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't find a way to use them in, for any can you go in the doors? Enemies. Enemies will go in the door. I never saw any enemies do this. Yeah, but I did see. I, I, it was a very bizarre. And you don't have to hit them to finish the level. You know, you'll come across some areas where the uh, items you need are on pedestals. So you have mm-hmm. to whack the pedestal out from under it, uh, and then you can whack the thing. There's a there's a real wacky level. I think it's like level five, where you are just on a level with four or five white ladders. And there are enemy, and you're at the bottom. And there are enemies descending, and uh, you've got to go as fast as you can to whack all the ladders, so the enemies fall to their death. And, but they just, yeah. they fall to the bottom; they don't die. And you have to hurry and finish up the last ladder before the uh, the last the enemies get you. But there's nowhere to run on the level, and there's no way to dodge the enemies. So if you don't hit all the ladders in time, you just die. There is no other. There's no way out. And there's there's a lot of that in this game. There are you can get yourself stuck effectively. Uh, now, I had never played this or even heard of it, Brent. Had you ever played this until this week? I have. Uh, not to uh, not to the length that I've played it this week. Um, I, before, I had always been like, oh, yeah, Wrecking Crew, it does some things. Uh, but this week, I actually got pretty into the game. What what appealed to you exactly? It's so it's uh, nothing like any reminds... other Mario games or anything like oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. Just you, you have to not... You can't consider this to be a Mario game. Yeah. You have to throw that right out the window. Uh, you know what this reminds me the most of? And you, you're either going to be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Or you're going to be like, you're an idiot. Load Runner. It, it, no, you're not an idiot. There are certainly similarities to Load Runner in this. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's definitely, I, you know, it, it's a puzzler to a certain degree. It's absolutely a puzzle game. By the way, one yeah, especially the later levels. Something happened to me on one of the later levels, and when I say later, don't think I got to like level fifty in this or something. I think I got, I think the farthest I ever got was like level ten or something like that, or twelve. I mean, these things are real. They're real tricky. You know, they're tricky levels, and you have to learn the levels. Yeah, uh, but at one point, you know, there are barrels around. At one point, I was in a barrel. I've never. Yeah. How do you, I couldn't figure out how I did it or how to get out. Uh, you can drop a barrel on you. Yes, that's what I did. Um, I, I I don't I don't recall. I thought you just would. I think you just bash and you, you pop out of it. It was very odd. It was on a pedestal, uh, and it <clears> fell <throat> on me. Uh, I think there's a, 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 a I think there's a pretty decent game here. Like the the I wish I could have grasped the bomb situation a little better. Because sometimes when you hit a bomb, it'll blow up like everything on the level, and so like if we were, if you're watching at home, it just did. And sometimes it would just blow you up, and like I couldn't understand exactly how the bombs worked, and it made it real complicated. Also, I, I there were several times where I would get to the bottom of the screen, and I had missed destroying something, and I couldn't get back up, and you're just screwed. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that to myself, there's got to be a way to get back up there, but there's not, yeah. right? No. No, that's the puzzle aspect of the game. It's just like uh, with Load Runner. Uh, there are el- you can put yourself in no-win situations. Yeah. And the whole the whole way the game works 
is you have to learn the levels. The enemies are just there to pressure you to keep moving. Uh, but the real game, the real aspect of the game is uh, being able to figure out where elements of the level are that if you break this, you won't be able to get back to it. Uh, and being able to do that quickly because of the enemies giving you pressure. Um, just like the level with all the ladders and bad guys coming down all of them, I don't think many people are going to die on that level because you look at it, you see what you have to do, and then you just do it. One thing, Does that make sense? One thing about that level, though, and we just saw it flash through. This is me playing, by the way. Um, one thing about that level is at the end of it, you're on the ground with no escape and seven or eight things right beside you, but and the level ends. So I'm always like, yeah, you know, you, you beat the level, but how did he get out of that? What did he no, do no, no, next? No, no. He just beams <clears throat> out? That's what happens? <laughs> the, uh, this, uh, and I'll go ahead and give my review of this game. I have never liked this game until I sat down with it this week. I, and I haven't not liked the game. It's just not something I would play on a normal basis. When I kind of took it at a different approach, yeah. I didn't look at it as a platform game. I looked at it as a puzzler game. I enjoyed it so, so much more. Yeah. Learning the levels, um, seeing, you know, when, when you finish a level for the first time, it, the first time you see it, it feels good. You feel accomplished. Uh, and even when you die and you have to restart, you, you can kind of select what level you go back to. Yeah, you can, you, um, yeah, you can absolutely. Which is can. a nice touch. I, I, there were a lot of times I just wanted to start back at level one so I wouldn't forget what I had learned getting to the point I had gotten to. Um, I really enjoyed the game. It has that Load Runner feel. Personally, I like this more than Load Runner, uh, and I really like Load Runner. So the, I think this was a great choice. You know, it just occurred to me where that death is from. It's from Popeye. That's the exact same way Popeye dies. Yeah. He spins around in a circle and it falls off. So, so it was been, it's been driving me nuts. Uh, you know, you're right. You have to look at this game like a puzzler. Uh, and I should have known that immediately uh, when I started it because uh, when it lets you pick where you want to start. And by the way, if you try to make the mistake of moving way up the line, good luck, pal. Uh, the Oh, yeah, the game gets ridiculously yeah. complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, and, I mean, it is as a puzzler. And it really... It gives you a, a sort of a soft open, but it's not easy, really, out of the gate. I mean, you really have to you have to grasp the concepts early in this game. Uh, it does a good, in my opinion, it does a really good uh, job of building you up, though, because it it starts off easy, gives you concepts, and then starts building on those concepts. I never got to a situation, and maybe it's just because I didn't get far enough. I got, I think, I got to the mid twenties. I can't wow. remember offhand. That's real good. Uh, <clears throat> I never got to a situation where I was like, I have no idea how to do this. Right. There were def definitely levels where I was like, I don't know exactly what I need to do here, but I'm going to try some stuff to see what works. But there was never a time where I just blankly stared at the screen. I was like, like I, I don't know what to do. I blankly stared at the screen because I didn't know what to do a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, you got to think, I, you know I'm a big Donkey Kong guy. You know, and, and and Mario Bros. Me and the kid play all the time. So I'm when I get this game out and I hit the button and he swings a hammer and nothing else happens. I'm like, uh oh, 
I'm out of my element here. I wasn't expecting this. It was one of anytime I can't jump, it's like, oh boy. And this game, you bet you're begging to jump. It's like, please let me jump. Uh, the uh, also when you, the fact that you can screw yourself. I mean, right out of the gate, if you hit the, you know, there are pretty early on if you hit the ladders and destroy them, you can be screwed. And I sat yeah. at the bottom of the screen like, what did I do? What do I do? Well, you die is what you do. Yes. You know, just like in a proper puzzle game, if you get the puzzle wrong, you just get killed. And it's a lingering death as you run around like an idiot waiting for the little wrenches to come That's get you. That's right. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I think there's a... I think this game... And I know they re, they made a, a sequel to this, Brent. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, that was released uh, called, in, uh, called uh, uh, Wrecking Crew uh, 98, I believe is what it was called. Yeah, Wrecking Crew 98. Uh, this came out uh, for the Super Nintendo or Super Famicom in uh, Japan in 98. And it's a, it's a, this is the one where they actually tried to kind of tie it into the uh, Mario franchise more fully. Uh, as it says here, the, the story mode features Mario returning to the Mushroom Kingdom from a trip and discovering that Bowser had started a construction campaign of building new hideouts. And that's your gimmick. Uh, and it's depriving all the flora of sunlight, it says here. And Mario has to go demolish all this stuff. I'm sure the flora will like that, too. After <laughs> destroying everything. So, that's stuff's kind of neat. Now, I've, I've heard good things about that particular version. I, I don't know. I'll have to go I look try, that up. I didn't try it. Uh, but it, it looked it looked interesting. Um, Review-wise, I looked up some reviews on this. And, by the way, I didn't get to try this two-player Something tells me two-player, this might be fun, but if you're playing two people, you could really screw each other real easily. Yeah, you, you'd have to decide pretty early on if you're going to play cooperatively or evilly. I don't think you could play this evilly and get anywhere. I think you'd have to be a team. I think it's I agree. sort of like Mario Bros. Like, yeah, you could actually go, you could try to screw each other, but you're both going to be dead pretty quick if you don't yeah. help each other out. Uh, I found a lot of reviews on this thing, Brent. Uh, just to go over some here. A questicle. Uh, gave this an A minus. Generation four gave this an eighty five percent. One up gave it an eighty three percent. These are mo mostly modern uh, reviews. Generation four is from eighty seven. Uh, the Honest Gamer group gave this an eight out of ten. Uh, CVG in eighty eight gave this eight out of ten. Uh, Retro Game Reviews uh, from a couple years ago. This gave this seven stars out of ten. Uh, the uh, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES gave this thing three stars. And then these are some more retro reviews. Uh, Tilt, in December of 87, gave this a 10 out of 20. That's kind of low. And Power Play uh, gave this 3.5 out of 10. So the, these two particular groups from back in the uh, mid-80s weren't too keen on it. Uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, we got some we got some uh, Discord reviews here. Quite a few, actually, uh, for this one. Um, Frodo and L writes... Okay, first off, why had I never heard of this game before? What a platform puzzler. Starts off easy enough, but sure gets a lot harder in some later levels, exactly as one would hope. The graphics are more or less NES standard for the time. Nothing wrong with that either. The music, although somewhat repetitive, does not become irritating after playing the game for two hours. This has just been added to my list of all-time favorite games, 9 out of 10 from Frodo. Brent. Awesome. The Boat, the Boatster writes, the best Mario game to not have Mario in the title. Why was this <laughs> never iterated or updated or re-released? And I'll never know. Well, Boat it was. 
and I think Boat got schooled into this, a shining star in the NES launch lineup above average is his review. Um, the Hermski, Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, a Herm firm on this one, 7 out of 10. Not the best game I've seen on the NES, but certainly an addictive little puzzler. Graphics are clunky, but colorful for a very playable game for its time. Certainly a game I could go back to. The Gramster chimes in. Uh, I had not seen this game before, and after I saw the suggestion, I quickly researched the game and saw it almost had a cult following. That's true. The uh, This boosted my anticipation to play. Boy, what a letdown. I think <laughs> Mario fans are just pleased that there's another puzzle game, uh, but with Mario on the NES. It has some basic strategy on when to break ladders, but other things are essentially just climbing ladders, breaking things, dodging enemies, and eventually trap yourself and be cornered by Purple Man or sprites from other Mario games. When you die, you hear the same ding-ding music over again and over and over again. Sigh. Five out of ten. So, Graham, not a, not a fan of that particular one. And then lastly, Chris Folds! Uh, a new one on me, and not one I class as a real Mario game, but nevertheless, this is a fun arcade action puzzler. I could only take it in bite-sized doses as I found longer games monotonous. Six out of ten. So there you go. Pretty, a, a pretty healthy dose of, of Discord reviews this week, uh, Brinster. I thought it was, like I said, it was, I will say, having never played it before, it is something of a surprise to find a Mario game out there that I'd never heard of and never played. And uh, it, it's definitely different, and I will I will go there. I don't think I was I would say that it's so easy to emulate. Um, if you have any love at all for puzzle platformers, uh, especially games like Load Runner, uh, check it out. It's worth checking out. I'm not gonna buy a Nintendo. I'm not gonna buy this for my Nintendo. Uh, but certainly, I would seek out the ability to emulate this and give it a shot. Yeah, and if you have a Wii. Uh, this is one to try on there. You can fiddle with that level editor if that's your bag. Uh, you could probably make some pretty diabolical levels in this, I would wager, with the tools that, that uh, they, they provide. I should mention, uh, I had a quick look on eBay on this one. This is another one of those NES games. I talked to Boat about this. You know, Boat has a, a near full, complete collection of the black box games uh, at his house. And, and he held on to these things, and it was a good move because the prices have skyrocketed. But it's funny how little the actual games are worth. The card, yeah. 15 bucks or less, you can pick this card up, no problemo. Uh, when you want the box, uh, you're going to start in the $70 range, and you're going to move way up the line. I saw I saw people paying uh, up over $150 for the box games, and I saw people asking, graded copies were asking somewhere in the ballpark of 2700 bucks for these oh, games. Oh, that's insane. Well, I'm just saying, that's... I'm not saying that's what they go for, but people are out there fishing for cash, uh, trying to get uh, trying to get a few bucks. I would wager you're probably going to pay for a good box copy. You're probably looking uh, well over that hundred dollar mark. So that's 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 the way it goes. I thought the, the overall though the NES uh, was an interesting uh, it was an interesting uh, look uh, at the at the birth of the NES that that first year. We should yeah. we should definitely do this on other systems. Uh, I don't think we have as many choices, but it's definitely fun to see what was launched. It gives you a flavor uh, uh, of the system at the time, and I think that's a neat thing. You know what else I like? Uh, something that adds a lot of flavor to my life, Brent. It's spinning the freaking wheel, my friend. Let's get oh, it Oh, I thought it was salt. Here we go. So, this week, 
we added a couple items here, Brinster. Uh, we've got chat choice added. There are two. We've got two chat uh, items on the wheel this week, and we've also added uh, the. Uh, we've also added the Sega CD to our list of retro rewinds. So that's our retro rewind spot this week, Brent. So, with your kind permission, I will spin this thing and we'll see what we get. You ready? Yeah, try not to suck. I will try, but I've never really succeeded. And we have got... No Button Arcade. No Button Arcade, Brent. What? Okay. These are going to be arcade games that have no buttons. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing this excludes a start button. This excludes a start button, yes. You can have a start button, and that's it. An intriguing, uh, uh, intriguing title there. I don't know who suggested that, but I'm pretty sure that was a suggestion from somebody, uh, Brent, to go with a no button arcade. It's funny because I think we did we do I think we did arcade with no stick, or something like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, we've done an all button arcade. Yeah. So, so now no buttons, and this that real significantly uh, cut down on the games you could pick. But there's still a, a wide variety of games that had no buttons that you could that you could choose from. So that will be intriguing. That will require some research, my friend. Absolutely. Um, we wanted to start off uh, this final segment here. Uh, if you are a uh, if you are a listener or a viewer of the Amigos Retro uh, Gaming Channel, uh, you probably heard that we have uh, we have sort of mothballed several of our shows. Our good buddy John Boat of Carshawler recently. Uh, gained new employment. He's actually a double duty uh, brand. He's doing two jobs now, starting in the fall. And he will not have time, unfortunately, to keep up with all these shows. So we are, me and him are just basically down to the Amigos right now, and then we've got ARG. So what we decided to do, Brent, why don't you tell them what we decided to do to help out the poor people that, that are going to be hung out to dry by these shows going away? Yeah, I mean, the it was unfortunate, uh, the short notice and the short time period that these guys uh, over at the ZX Spectrum and the 1200 and uh, the TRS Tandy they didn't have a whole lot of time to mourn uh, the loss of their shows. So you know what? I say we let them spin. I agree, Brent. We are going to put the uh, those three systems on the wheel and we are going to lock their place on the wheel until at least Thanksgiving, and we are going to spin them. Uh, they are going to have the possibility of spinning every single week up until uh, Thanksgiving. So if you if you've got those shows, if there's some things you're really interested in, you're going to have a chance. If the wheel wills it to be, uh, they're going to come up and they could hit week after week because they're never getting pulled out of the wheel. Until after Thanksgiving, I think that's. I think that we'll have a lot of fun with that. The good thing about those three titles are or that those three systems is that there's a uh, endless supply of excellent uh, titles that have not been uh, explored. It should be a lot of fun. I don't think we're going to get Spectrum ten times in a row or or Coco five times in a row, but we're going. We certainly will have them come up at least a few times. Uh, before then, and maybe if if there's one that somehow eluded us uh, by Thanksgiving, maybe we'll just sneak one in or something, or do something cheesy. Well, here's the thing with the lock it in campaign, Aaron. We aren't deciding. 
the wheel is going to decide uh, which of these systems come up and win. Yeah, well, you're we right. are simply supplying the wheel with the possibility. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, we'd like to thank everyone that uh, came in today. We had a real solid crowd here, Brent. Uh, you want to go through some of the names there? I see. I'm looking at a bunch just right off the top. I'll tell you right now, the chat is full, full of familiar faces. We love to see it. Uh, I'm actually going to start off with some of our lurkers, uh, folks like Aggressive Sock, uh, <laughs> another TV viewer, Anton, Bitstorm, Buck Owens, Commander Root. Uh, <clears throat> my dearing wife is in chat but has not spoke. Uh, Hamo. Jackie Martinling, uh, maybe Simon, <laughs> great name. Uh, need him. Several others just running down the rim. Uh, you know, V and K, Bulgaro Pros, Vanyaligli, and then of course we have our chatters. We've got folks like Frodo. We've got Pixels at Dawn, Picard. Myths is in chat. Buck Owens, uh, Curtis made it in, Paul Ketching, uh, scrolling back up through here, uh, Duncan Styles, of course, made an appearance, Tanner was here, uh, we had a few folks that had to bail out early, uh, Amiga Bang was here, good crew, Graham, good strong Johnny crew Renegade, we got, we got, we got a good, got a good bunch today, we appreciate you guys coming in, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you could, if you want to check out ARG, you can always uh, catch us on Anchor, uh, Anchor.fm. Uh, you can check out our entire back catalog. That's why we love Anchor. Uh, you can go back to and listen to any of the ARG shows uh, you missed. Uh, if you want to hear other NES shows that we did, uh, we even did an NES versus DOS uh, just about uh, two months ago, Brent. I think it was. Uh, we've uh, covered a. So many systems. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I go back and look. I'm just like, wow, this is crazy, the amount of different stuff. But it's fun, man. We get a kick out of it. I like the fact that we don't get to choose. It makes it entertaining for me. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, kick a few bucks our way, uh, we are uh, part of the Anchor.fm uh, support. You can you can sl slip us a few bucks. It's a lot like Patreon. And uh, we will add you to our, my, uh, to Brent's incredible supporter video that plays at the end of the episode. And we always appreciate it. But if you can't, just shoot, spread the word a little bit. We like to grow the audience. All right. Thanks for everybody coming in. And we will catch you next week for No Button Arcade. Until then, sayonara. Thank you for being with us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And a special thanks goes out to our Anchor.fm supporters. Hermski, Terry Howard, John Schaller, Graham W. Vetke, Anthony Jarvis, Frank Rodolph, and Chris Foles. Would you like to become an Anchor.fm supporter and help keep ARG spinning? You can do so by visiting Anchor.fm slash ARG dash presents. Don't want to explain another bill on the credit card? That's okay too. You can really help us out by leaving us a positive iTunes and Spotify review. Be sure to visit us on YouTube and Twitch at Amigos Retro Gaming. And you can always find us 
at everythingamiga.com. Have a question? Want to make a comment? Maybe you have a wheel suggestion. You can contact us directly at argpresents at mail.com. Shoutouts to Duncan Styles for all of ARG's vector graphics and BarkBit for our amazing tunes. Remember, you can catch us live every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. EDT. ARG Presents will be back next week to spin that wacky wheel and make that crazy deal. Thanks for joining us.